United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. Joining me now, Carla Freeman is the U.S. Institute of Peace Senior Expert for China, here to talk a little Asia policy. Good morning, Carla. Good morning. So we've had uh, a few days to process Biden's trip to Asia. What, uh, how would you assess it? Well, I think it was a very successful trip for the president. Uh, he had a chance to meet with uh, members of the new, uh, new-ish uh, quad, uh, the group of uh, four partners, uh, including the United States, Japan, Australia, and uh, India in Tokyo. And he also got to visit a new leader in uh, Seoul and uh, and meet the new prime minister of Australia. So uh, it was a very good trip for Biden. Uh, and he rolled out a new uh, economic vision uh, for the Indo-Pacific. All around, he came back, I think, having uh, scored some positive points in the region. It was overshadowed in part by that somewhat of a blunder on chi- on Taiwan policy. Well, it, there's a debate over whether it was a gaffe or a deliberate statement. It's something that the that uh, President Biden has has actually um, st- said a number of times. Uh, he, I think, is my view is a, is trying to deter uh, China from any kind of copycat behavior. Uh, given the uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine uh, and is uh, stepping up an effort to deter China uh, by ending or or, or uh, suggesting that the United States is has Taiwan's back. Uh, historically, the uh, policy has been to stick very strictly to uh, this concept of strategic ambiguity, uh, where uh, U.S., uh, support for uh, Taiwan's defense is concerned. We are committed through the Taiwan Relations Act to uh, arming Taiwan so that it has a credible defense against China, but we have never come out and said that we would actually use a military force uh, in, in, a, in a cross-strait conflict. Uh, and it also keeps Taiwan on its toes and prevents uh, Taiwan from uh, taking steps that might, uh, might provoke China to attack it. Well, and just overnight, we see the news that China sent, what, 30 warplanes near Taiwan. Taiwan scrambles jets in response. Like, there, it's, it, you know, it seems very tense. Things are heating up, definitely. Uh, China has been putting a lot of pressure on Taiwan. And so this, the message Biden is sending to China is to back off because it is creating a, a lot of uh, not only tensions across the strait, but actual risk that there could be a collision uh, of some kind between uh, Chinese warplanes and the Ta- Taiwan uh, Taiwan forces, which could uh, spark some kind of conflict. China's penetrating way into Taiwan's 80s, and, and that's really uh, scary. But it's part of an overall uh, a- approach to the whole uh, South China Sea that China has taken, which is is to assert very sweeping claims over that entire important body of water. Uh, so Taiwan is a key uh, point uh, in this in this uh, whole uh, effort by China to assert uh, broad claims. And in fact, that's a lot about uh, what uh, the the President Biden was uh, concerned about in uh, during his his trip to uh, to Tokyo. 
And and we had a very important speech the other day from the Secretary of State on the matter of China. What was your takeaway from that? Well, I think it was a, a very good uh, speech. I, I think you know he uh, certainly Blinken got some criticism because I think people were expecting a bit more, you know, stronger statement on Taiwan. Uh, or else uh, some kind of breakthrough on trade. And, there, and it really walked a fine line. Uh, uh, Blinken was, uh, did identify China as a, as a major strategic threat, the major strategic threat and the pacing challenge for the United States. Uh, at the same time, uh, he uh, laid out a kind of a, 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 a three-pillar approach to managing uh, relations with China. Uh, it's it, the idea is that we have to focus on investing in our own country, uh, aligning more strongly with our our allies and partners, uh, but also uh, also compete uh, with China both uh, militarily and also economically. Uh, and at the same time, uh, he made very clear that the United States is not uh, interested in changing China's government. Uh, and uh, tried to uh, reassure the Chinese people that uh, the United States uh, is uh, it welcomes people to people ties. Uh, there were also a number of other areas that uh, uh, Blinken identified as potential places where the United States and China could uh, could collaborate or work together. Climate change, for one, uh, Kerry was of course uh, soon to soon to go to. Uh, uh, to attend the uh, uh, summit in Davos uh, and where he met with uh, China's climate negotiator. So uh, it was overall, I think, a, a careful speech, uh, one that uh, that didn't offer much, uh, stood firm on uh, U.S. concerns about China, uh, but also, uh, also kept the door open to uh, areas where we might be able to work together to add some uh, reassurance uh, to a very, very tense relationship. Yeah, and Carla, what what signs did you see from China on how they are receiving these postures from the United States? Well, China's uh, reaction was, I think, uh, probably vitriolic, describes it best. Uh, Their Hua Chunying, China's foreign ministry spokesperson, uh, tweeted a a multi-point tweet uh, where uh, she attacked uh, Blinken's speech, called called it duplicitous, uh, and essentially said it was a de- declaration of cold war. Uh, and uh, of course, uh, uh, she uh, she laid out a whole uh, a number of points, sort of point point to point, point by point, attacking uh, Biden's uh, speech. Uh, including uh, criticizing him for trying to, or the United States, for trying to separate the Chinese government from the Chinese people. And it was uh, troubling because at the end of this series of tweets, uh, she really left open the question of whether the United States and China can uh, can coexist peacefully. Oh, my. Uh, that's rather ominous. <laughs> yes, uh, it is. I mean, I think the main concern that China has is is really focused on this point that, that uh, Blinken made, that the United States seeks to shape the strategic environment around China. And the Chinese see that as as essentially a containment strategy. And they are deeply concerned about uh, our new partnerships like the Quad and AUKUS uh, and, um, and growing cooperation between our Asian partners and allies and NATO. Uh, so uh, the Chinese are 
are pushing back rhetorically. And as you pointed out earlier, they're also putting a lot of military pressure on our uh, on our partners in the region, uh, Taiwan, uh, which they claim territorially. But also remember during the uh, during the summit in Tokyo, uh, China and Russia conducted their first uh, joint exercise since uh, the invasion of Ukraine. Carla, our guest on the show recently was arguing that China is no longer a rising power. It's a power that has peaked and is therefore actually more dangerous. I, I have heard that. I, I think uh, it is uh, a, a, a question of debate. China is struggling uh, to keep its once double-digit, uh, repeatedly double-digit growth economy uh, on track. Uh, and there are other pressures. Uh, the a zero COVID po- policy has been uh, a really uh, difficult politically uh, and, uh, and has faced a lot of public opposition. Uh, so there are uh, challenges at home, uh, but China is still growing and uh, it still has a lot of a lot of capabilities. Its mil- military is formidable and it still has uh, the United States should not forget uh, that uh, China still has a lot of international support. Uh, that's one way, one target of opportunity for the United States through diplomacy is strengthening uh, our partnerships, our diplomatic relationships around the world. China is, uh, I don't think it's out of the game yet, uh, and uh, it is still a a major uh, source of economic growth in the world. Uh, And I frankly think we probably don't want to see China collapse anytime soon. Uh, We want to uh, find a way to stabilize uh, our relationship with China. Uh, I don't think we're ever going to return to the kind of uh, bilateral partnership that we enjoyed for a couple of decades. Uh, we are too far apart on too many issues. Uh, but uh, I think, you know, the Chinese for their part see us as a declining power. Uh, and uh, and uh, maybe that's a good thing uh, because uh, uh, they might be able to work with us uh, better uh, if they perceive us as, as, uh, as, uh, as not being able to st- sustain our power in the future. In any case, I think the two countries need to uh, need to talk to each other a little bit more uh, in order to find some ways uh, forward. The Wall Street Journal this morning reporting that China and the U.S. arranging in-person meetings between uh, the Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin and his Chinese counterpart in Singapore. Yeah, I think that's a positive step. Um, one of the big concerns that uh, both governments have, uh, the United States, however, has been particularly concerned about this, uh, is that uh, there there could be uh, a, a crisis that spins out of control. And our communications with the Chinese government has have been notoriously poor, uh, not for want, I think, on, of trying on the U.S. side. Uh, the, the, just, uh, the, the Chinese system isn't uh, designed to... Uh, have its uh, its leaders at different levels interact directly with with U.S. counterparts. So we really need formal, more formal channels of communication, and I'm sure that is going to be a big topic of discussion. Carla Freeman is the senior expert for China at the U.S. Institute of Peace. Carla, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Thanks, pleasure. Good to talk. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.